0: Good evening. Merry Christmas, right? Man, I, I love, this is probably our, our favorite service that we do all year. We just love the candles. And then uh, if you haven't been here, at the very end, uh, we'll take uh, one candle and we'll, we'll light it off of the Advent candle. And from there, while we sing Silent Night, uh, all the candles that you are holding will eventually be lit by the end of that song. Um, and so this is just a, a sweet service that we have. So, I am glad that you are here with us tonight. Um, I love Christmas. It's an incredible time. It's an incredible time for family, for friends to come together. There's laughter, there's joy, uh, there's presents, there's hot chocolate, uh, there is endless sugar cookies, there's Hallmark movies, which are the best. I've watched many of them already. Uh, there's fudge, there's good cookies, there's treats. Um, there's many, many, many wonderful memories. Uh, my family and I, we went to Leavenworth just the other day. We played in the snow, um, and we love snow, and we are. We're pulling for snow. So I am praying for it, so you should pray for it too. Um, and I pray for a lot, like feet. so uh, Course, yeah, I like a lot of snow. But I, I know that while there's great joy in many of us, we just come and we're ready for the joy that we share at this season. I love actually how Brian and Kristen, which there they are, um, how you guys stated Advent because that's a, what you shared is, is also a very real emotion. Not everyone is filled with joy during the Christmas season. For some, Christmas is, is painful. Uh, we're reminded of, of the loss of ones who are not here. And so there can be a mixture of emotions that we have. You might have a mixture in yourself, and for surely, just with the amount of people who are here, there is a mixture of emotions. I know two years ago, Christmas Day, um, I received a phone call from my family in California that my mom had had a stroke, uh, and then 52 days later, she breathed her last day, and, and she is now in heaven. And so I get the joy and also, there's, there's hurt and there's loss. So carrying both those emotions, um, I, I feel like I've been doing uh, throughout this season. Um, but we do need to remember this, that while pain and hurt might be present during the Christmas season, it does not minimize the meaning of Christmas, if anything, It will only emphasize it all the more that we will remember the true meaning and the hope that we have in Christmas. And so as as we just take a little bit of time together tonight to look at God's word and to remember just the true meaning of Christmas, there's one word that I want you to hear, there's one word I want you to know, and there's one word I really want you just to remember, and it's the word hope. So that's what I want to have. Just as, as we think through Christmas, I just want us to think Christmas is about hope, and so um, I'm going to read from First Timothy uh, chapter one, just four verses. I believe it'll be up on the screen, uh, so you can follow along. Here we go, verse twelve. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. Let me just pray, and then I just want to unpack this a little bit. Father, Father, we just praise you. It's Christmas Eve. Is the night before that we celebrate that your son, Jesus, came into this world, that he would be born fully God, fully man, that one day he would go to the cross where he would stand in our place as our substitute, bear our sins in his body so that we who could believe in him could be forgiven. And God, I pray that we know that hope today, that everything around Christmas, the gifts, the tree, the garland, the mistletoe, the presents... All of it, it ultimately points to the hope of your son, Jesus. In your name, Jesus, amen. So we're in 1 Timothy, which I know would be exactly the passage you would choose for Christmas Eve. I understand. There is absolutely nothing about Jesus' birth, no manger, no magi, no, no angels, and no animals. It's a perfect text. But without Christmas... This text would not exist. In fact, the entire New Testament would not exist. And and Paul specifically is saying what has happened to him because of Christmas, because Christ Jesus came born into this world and eventually went to the cross. Paul is saying what has happened to him. He's describing his conversion, describing how he was saved. And so if you are here and you're a believer, you're only saved today because of Christmas, because there was a day that Christ Jesus came and he was born in this world. And so we're going to take a few moments. Paul is just going to describe his conversion. And first, he just breaks out into thankfulness. He says in verse 12, he says that um, that he's thankful that Jesus has given him strength, judged him faithful, he's appointed him to service. Now, if you don't know much about Paul, he's a pretty important guy in the New Testament. He wrote 13 of the 27 books. He appointed elders. He planted churches. He encouraged churches. He corrected churches. Um, He loved the gospel so much that he was willing to be rejected, beaten, and, and arrested. Ultimately, Paul was martyred for the faith. And in fact, Paul's probably like in the top two or three people. Like many Christians will say, when I get to heaven, I want to meet Paul. Like we just we want to meet this guy who, who preached the gospel so boldly in the face of such danger and persecution. But it raises a good question. Why was Paul used in such an incredible way? Why did Jesus appoint Paul to do such amazing work for the kingdom? What made him so qualified? So Paul's given his thankfulness, and now he's, he's going to... He, Tell us why he was chosen. And and we might go, did he grow up in a Christian home? Was he discipled by incredible people from a young age, and he's just known the gospel? Was he part of a great youth group? Did he memorize all the scriptures in Awana? I mean, what set Paul aside apart from everyone else that God could have chosen to do this amazing work that we read all throughout the gospels? And the, and the word is nothing. In fact, he gives in verse 13 his, his unqualifications in a sense. And in verse 13, he gives three words to describe his life before he came to Jesus. He says, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, and I was an insolent opponent. Now, I think we understand the first two, right? Blasphemer, he had no problem profaning the name of God. Persecutor. He had no problem persecuting the church, throwing Christians into jail, even saying that some of them would be killed. But insolent opponent, that one might escape you a little bit. It can be translated also violent aggressor. It refers to someone with no normal concern for human kindness. It is someone who derives pleasure from humiliating others and making them suffer. And so, so, this is Paul. He, he hated Jesus, and he hated his church. Paul arrested, tortured, and killed Christians. That was his past. In fact, this is how he describes himself. In the book of Acts, he'll give several testimonies of, of his life before he was a Christian. And so, this is what he says in Acts 26. He says, I myself was convinced Paul's a horrible person. In fact, this is how one commentator described him and with these two words, and I think these two words really just kind of put in our minds the person that Paul was. He was a religious predator. Just let those two words sink in. There is nothing about that description that warms your heart. Religious predator. And so what makes him go from religious predator to faithful servant of Christ, because that's what we have here. And what we read in verse 14 is that there was overflowing grace. He says, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul was unqualified in every single way. In fact, there is no earthly reason Paul should have been chosen by God to be used for anything for good. In fact, if you and I had known Paul, he'd been one of those guys we would say, yeah, we don't go to him. We don't share the gospel with him. He's too far gone. We avoid him. There is no hope for him. Did you know people like that or people that you might think are like that you might be one of those people, that people have said that before in the past? But that's exactly who Paul's. We've said he's too evil, he's too far gone, no hope. And that's what Paul's point is. The gospel of grace is so incredibly incredible that when God opens the floodgates of grace upon Paul, that his sin, his wickedness, his horrific nature, and actions were washed away. Do you know that? God's grace is so great that the worst of sinners, the worst of blasphemers, the worst of persecutors, that murders, slanders, religious predators can be saved and made clean and forgiven and adopted into the very family of God. Your past does not need to define you. Do you know that? There's so many people that they're hung today because of what either they have done or what has been done to them. But Paul is saying, in Christ, your past does not need to define you. He shares his testimony for two reasons. One, he's just bursting forth into praise. He's talking about the gospel. He can't help but just praise God for how he's been saved. But the second reason is because he's encouraging us to also trust in Jesus. Paul is saying, if there's hope for me, the worst of sinners, then there's hope for anyone who would believe in Jesus. There's hope for anyone. Do you know that the things you've done or the things that have been done to you do not disqualify you from trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and being saved? Many of you probably know the song Amazing Grace. It was written by John Newton. Newton was identified with Paul. He was a wicked man. He was an evil man. He knew the depths of a sinful heart. And like Paul, he knew the beauty and the power and the wonder of God's amazing grace. So this is what, this is what John Newton wrote for his epitaph that would be put on his tombstone. It says this, John Newton, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. The reason God's grace is so amazing is because it saves wretches. It saves sinners. It saves sinners like Paul, like John Newton, like you, like me. It saves liars. It saves bitter Angry people, it saves saves those who are impatient, those who are lustful. It saves adulterers, thieves, and murderers. And if God's grace has the power to save Paul, to save John Newton, to save all the sinners who are in here, he he has the power to save you. How do we know this? How do we know that God loves to save? Because of verse 15. It says, the saying is trustworthy. So at this time in the New Testament, in the first century, the gospel is being moved around. There are are messages of the gospel that are being passed around churches. And one of the phrases that is being passed around is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a common phrase of the church. And so Paul says that. This saying is trustworthy. He's saying, you know this saying. You know this is true. You know why Jesus came. He said, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. In other words, Jesus came to save, which means Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth to save people from their sins, to save people like Paul, like John Newton, like you, like me, so we can be saved. That's Christmas. So when we look at the manger scene, when we look at the animals, when we look at the shepherds, when we see the angels and they're singing glory to God in the highest, it's all because Christ has come to save. And that's what brings us to the word hope. That's why we have hope. Christmas is about hope. All throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we read that mankind, you and I, that we're born sinful in this world, and there is nothing we can do to clean ourselves up. There's nothing you can do, there's nothing we can do to to make ourselves presentable before a holy, perfect, clean, amazingly glorious God. And so that's why Jesus came. That's why we have Christmas Because at Christmas, you have the Son of God, who is co-eternal, co-equal with the Father, who has reigned forever with the Father in all past eternity. He comes to earth that he would add humanity to himself. So he'd be both fully God, fully man, so that one day he would be able to go to the cross and he would actually be able to stand in your place as your substitute, as my substitute. And he would take the wrath that you deserve, that I deserve, and that he would pay that penalty for us. So that when we believe in him, we'd be forgiven, we'd be justified, we'd be sanctified, we'd be adopted into his family, and we'd be guaranteed that one day we'd be glorified, meaning that we will spend all of eternity with God in his presence. That's Christmas. That's what we're celebrating. You can't separate the manger from the tomb. Do you know that? Like when we're looking at Christmas, we're saying he came for a purpose. And the purpose was to go to the cross where he would die. But now the tomb is empty because he is risen and guarantees that all who believe in him will also live with him for all of eternity. We have hope because Christ Jesus came to earth. We have hope, because Jesus was born in a manger, that one day he would die on a cross. We have hope that if we believe in Jesus, then we'll be saved and forgiven. We have hope that this world is not all there is. Christmas reminds us of that. Do you realize that? Like at this time, when we're surrounded in in one sense by the muck and the mire of the world, we realize that all of that muck, that death, The trenches of just sin within this world does not have the last word. But for everyone who trusts in Jesus, we have the confident hope that when he returns, we'll reign with him forever in a new heavens and new earth where that world will be free of sin, free of pain, free of shame, free of guilt, free of muck, free of mire, free of all the trenches of sin. Isn't that glorious? That's what Christmas is ultimately pointing us to. Christmas is celebrating the first coming of Christ and what he's bringing into this world. Because of Christmas, we have the hope that when we share the gospel, people will be saved. You yourselves are a testimony of that. Do you know that? You yourselves are here because at one point in the past, someone shared the gospel with you that you would believe in the gospel. In fact, in a little bit, when we take the candle and we take, I'm gonna take one candle and we're gonna light off of this one and this candle represents Christ and then every single candle in here will eventually be lit just as when the gospel is shared and people believe it spreads throughout this entire world and so there's gonna be a picture of that in this room. Because of what Christ has done, there is now hope in this world. And you, if you believe in Christ, you contain that hope. You are, what Jesus says in the Gospels, the light of the world, because Jesus is the light of the world, and you contain that gospel. And so when you share the gospel, you do so, and the knowledge and the hope that our God loves to save. And if you ever doubt that, There's two things you can go back to look at, the manger and the cross. Jesus came that he would go to the cross. That's Christmas. Christmas is the hope of forgiveness. Christmas is the hope of eternal life. Christmas is the hope of a better home. Christmas is the hope of a better relationship with God and with his church. And I pray you know that hope tonight. I pray you have that hope tonight. I pray your heart, like Paul's, Burst forth with thanksgiving as you think of who you were before Christ, of the sin that characterized you. And I know none of us are perfect, but if you've trusted in Christ, you are forgiven. And the Spirit dwells in you that you are being made more and more like Christ each and every day. And so as you gather around the tree, some of you will do Who opens presents tonight? Anyone? A few of you? That's wrong. We'll pray for you. Don't worry about it. I mean, as long as it's one, it's okay, but you can't go more than one. My sister, I talked to her on the phone earlier, and she's like, we're opening all the presents today. I was like, really? I was like, you can't do that. Um, But apparently they did, so we need to pray for them. Um, But when you're gathered around, whether tonight or tomorrow, just remember, all those presents, the tree, the lights, all of it, it's a picture of a greater gift of a greater hope. It's a picture of Christ, the true gift, the true hope. All of those, they're great. And so I encourage you, parents, let your kids celebrate as much as they can as they open those presents and then, and then remind them that as great as those presents are, they absolutely pale in comparison to the beauty and the glory and the majesty of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Just direct him let, him, let him see all of the joy underneath that tree, and then just go, isn't that great? And it pales in comparison to how much joy we have in Christ. I pray you have that joy, and if you are here tonight, if you've not yet trusted in Christ, I, I pray that you would, that you would trust that in Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven, that he is the true son of God who has come, that he would add humanity to himself, that he'd be like you and me, so we could stand in your place at that cross and pay for your sins? Will you believe in Jesus tonight and experience the amazing grace of Jesus Christ? I'm going to pray, and as I do, the team's going to come up, and they're going to close us in those two songs, and just have your your candles ready, because in silent night, they're all going to get lit up. Let's pray.